I have no idea who's coming. Like, literally, no idea. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Dwayne. Hello. Hello. How you doing, brother? Pretty good, and yourself? It's been about 12 years since I last seen you. I come from an area where not too many people make it. It was always my dream that I'd get the chance to go to college, but we just didn't have the money. You mean so much to us, and my brother Joaquin loved you from the beginning. He passed away in Parkland on February 14th. He was one of the 17 victims. 10 days before Christmas, our house burned down and we lost everything. It was one of the lowest points in my life. Hey, Dwight. How you doing, Miles? You were the joy of my life. But I was dropping the ball. That day that I just couldn't do it no more was the day that I was going to have to turn myself in. And I seen the tears just fall from your eyes. Your mama went down a road, Dwayne, that I didn't ever think I'd come back from. But on that road, I noticed you kept showing up. And you'll come and see about me. And Dwayne, because you believe in me, when I got out of prison, I was a different woman. We received a phone call. Would you mind if Dwayne Wade take you and the family <laughs> on a shopping spree? It just meant the world to me that you were there for us at this time. And Thank you. You became our hero. A lot of the words that you said hit a spark and kind of changed where I was going. Without you and your full tuition scholarship, none of this would have been possible. You're not way the basketball player, the legend. You're the human being that took the time and on his own, wrote my brother's name on his shoe, and you cared. When you bought your mama that church, you don't even understand the lives that you changed. So I don't have a jersey, but I brought you this. I don't have a jersey to trade with you but I definitely have this, the blazer that I wore to my first job interview. My cap and gown from graduation. This is important because Joaquin wore this in his last championship. My family wanted you to have it. Please don't forget my brother, Joaquin. Having you as a role model has made all the difference. One of the special robes that you gave me, purple symbolized royalty, and you are royal in everybody's life that you've touched. You completely changed the course of my life. I know my brother is with you always. It wouldn't have been possible to be here if it wasn't you. I am more proud of the man you have become than the basketball player. You are bigger than basketball. Good ad. It's a beer ad. <laughs> There's no law that you can't show beer ads at church. <laughs> Let's see how relevant that ad becomes. You know, there's a famous line that says, if you're going to talk the talk, be ready to walk the walk. All right? You heard that one before? You know, we live in a world where talk is cheap. Don't tell me about it. Show me. 
Don't tell me how you're going to become rich. Show me the money. We're going through the book of Ephesians, and we become we we hit a very important point in this book, in this letter. The first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul talks about the theology of who God is. Talks about who God is, what God has done for us, and and. Just as three finishes and we clock into chapter four, the rest of the letter, Paul is going to talk about, well, if that's who God is and if that's who we are, if that's the theology of what we're going to study, what does it mean for my life? What does it mean for my life? We're going to talk about practical Christian living. Now, please don't think that Paul has said, Theology is only important in some areas and practical Christian living is only important in other areas. No, you need to have both. You can't have practical Christian living without knowing why I need to live like that. And in the same way, you can't have good theology, you can't have good ideas of who God is without living that out. You can't have one without the other. So what's the goal? If we're talking about practical Christian living, have you ever asked this question? Okay, I'm a Christian. Okay, I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And now what? Now what? Do I just keep believing that? Do I just keep, you know, putting my hand up at the altar call? Like, now what? You know, what's the goal of studying the Bible and praying and helping others? And sometimes I think, sometimes we can become a little bit airy-fairy on that. We can become a little bit unfocused. So we found that at our church, at uh, the beginning of last year, about a year and a half ago, we found that one of the weaknesses of our church was that we had a lot of people coming to our church and been coming for a while, but they didn't know where they were going. They just turned up and kind of doing the same thing over and over again. And so we recognized that we were not sharp on our purpose. We were not focused in the reason why we existed. That's why we invited our, past, uh, our associate pastor, Pastor May, to do some work and really help us to focus on what we're about. And that's why we came up with this new mission statement, right? So the mission statement says to belong to Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to be a blessing in Jesus' name. That's what we're about as a church, okay? We're about belonging to Jesus. Our identity is because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And we belong to the body of Christ, which is the bride of Christ. We belong to the church, But not only do we belong, as we belong, we also change, we become. And as we become, we become a blessing to others around us. We don't just live for ourselves, but we live to bless others in this world. That's why we exist. Now, I preached this earlier in the year, the idea of becoming like Jesus. Healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. Every other area of our lives, when we invest into it, we have a plan of growth, and yet we become so uh, oblivious about our spiritual growth. Why do we think that just coming to church once a week, tick the box, is, is enough? It's not. If we're healthy, spiritually, if we're healthy, we will grow. And that's what Paul is going to talk about, and he calls this maturity. Okay, Uh, verse 13, Uh, we're in chapter 4, but I'm going to read the passage a bit later. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become 
mature. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. Not just the body of Christ, but the mature body. For those that don't know, it's very important for you to know that last Thursday was my birthday. Now, some of you are like, that is not important to know. And I rebuke you in the name of God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I, I, I uh, turned 31, <laughs> plus a few. You know, they say growing old is compulsory, but growing up is optional. <laughs> you know, we... What's funny, right? Maturity, there's no age, right? 365 days. You go and age just progresses year after year after year. There's a, you know, it's dated. But you know what's funny? Maturity's not like that. How funny is it, right? Like same 36-year-old, you know, like, I don't I'll use this comparison, but I have a brother who's turning also 36 later in the year, um, who's a chiropractor, Chinese medicine practitioner, he's the same age as me, right? But he is so much more mature than me. And no one, no one says anything, right? No one even rebukes that. And it's funny, right? We're the same age, but our maturity can be completely different. And it's the same with our spiritual lives. Your spiritual maturity has nothing to do with how long you've been coming to church. Did you know that? You know, there are people that have been coming to church for like six months and they have matured so much. And then you have people that have been going to church for 60 years and they're still the same. Maturity doesn't grow like our age. But here's the thing, and this is what Paul's going to talk about tonight. Maturity, spiritual maturity, this is the lie uh, that has seeped into our individualistic world, that you can become spiritually mature on your own. And that is a lie. The Bible is going to teach us tonight that if you want to grow spiritually, it must be done in community. And that's why today the sermon is titled Maturity Through Community. Faith. Faith is a personal decision Your decision to believe in God, to have a relationship with God is a personal choice. But Christianity is a team sport. Now, there are three things that that Paul's going to talk about in chapter 4, verse 1 to 16. If you've got your Bibles, you can open them. But we're going to break it down to three things. Number one, the first one is this. Paul, uh, God calls us to community. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6, I'll read this. As a prisoner for the Lord... Then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the spirit, uh, the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Paul urges the believers in Ephesus to live the life worthy of the call, 
worthy of the call that God has given to us. That life of, of, of discipleship, following Jesus. And then he lists a whole bunch of characteristics that we're called to have. Humility, gentleness, patience, long-bearing, unity, and peace. Why? Why are we called to have this? We are called because we're called to the one. And we see verses 4 to 6 give us the big one, you know, one body. We're called to one spirit. We're called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all. As believers, if we all belong to the one heavenly Father, then we're all part of the one family. Makes sense, right? But here's the thing. You can't grow in humility, gentleness, patience, unity, and peace by yourself. This is a lie to think that you can grow, you can spiritually mature on your own. You know, if I just pray a lot, if I just read my Bible, if I just listen to a lot of podcasts, I will grow in maturity. And, and I'm going to tell you, note that you, how would you even know you're growing? You can't stand there by yourself and declare that I am the most patient person in the room when there's no one else in the room. I love these single people. I'm not having a crack at single people. But these single people, right, they think that they're so mature, patient, humble, gentle, right? I used to think that too. And then I had kids. And then I realized I am not patient. (laughs) I am not patient at all. But how would you know if there's no one else around you? How can you have unity with yourself? (laughs) How can you have peace when there's no one else in the room? This is the picture of growth and maturity that God wants us to know. Is that God wants us to grow and mature, but the only way for us to do that is to start living this life in community. Start rubbing each other But the problem is this, it's uncomfortable. It's awkward. Not everyone gets along, right? But that's real life. God is giving us a situation to grow and mature in our faith and he gives it to us in the real world. Christianity, we don't live in a vacuum. You know, turn up to church, you know, it's not like a computer game. You turn up to church 50 times and you just automatically level up. No, you have to bump into people. You have to have relationship with people. You have to cross paths with people. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about our community. And some of us, you know, the, the, the church, this church has been around for just under six years. Previous to this church, uh, some of us were at a, a church before, and that, that's like 12 years now, nearly 13 years. And I was thinking about it. And I'm not going to name names, but I know God brought some of you to teach me um, peace and unity. God brought some of you to teach me humility and patience. And some of you, God brought you to me to teach me long patience and suffering, long perseverance. And you probably don't know who you are, and that's the point. (laughs) We need each other to help each other grow. You know, we don't like conflict, right? We don't like when people like in your face telling you to you as it is. But you know what? How do you think you're going to grow without truth? 
We're called to community. Secondly, we're called to build the community. Verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let me tell you, unity is not the same as uniformity. Now, uniformity means everyone is exactly the same. It's like robots. But God did not create us to be robots. Isn't that beautiful? God created each and every one of us very specifically with different gifts and different talents. And the whole idea is not that the same people come together to make the body, but it's the different parts of the body that come together to make the one body. Now, in this passage, Paul lists uh, some of the foundational gifts that, 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 um, that God gave to some of the leaders and that are still existent today. Now, this isn't the only gifts that God gave to us. There are other gifts as well, but he's going to give us uh, four, four gifts, and I'm just going to quickly go and define each of them. Firstly, uh, the apostle. The apostle is the one who is sent with a commission. The apostles were given uh, were to give witness to the resurrection and go and tell people what they had seen, right? Now, assuming none of us were there 2,000 years ago, none of us can be capital A apostles, right? But we can have the gift of, uh, the, the, the gift of apost- apostolic ministry, that's what they call it, right? Which all of us should have is to go and be witnesses, to the God that we know, the God that we've experienced. We're meant to, we're meant to go and witness to others what we have experienced about God. Secondly, prophets. A, a prophet is one who proclaims the word of God. Prophets were used in the Old Testament to tell God's people, God's thoughts, and then what will happen in their obedience and disobedience. Prophets are used by God to share his thoughts, right? But they're there. For the, for, the, for the purpose of building up and encouragement and also um, consolation. To tell people, yo, if you, keep, if you keep disobeying God, if you keep going down that way, something bad going to happen. That was the role of the prophets. And then we have evangelists. Evangelists are the bearers of good news. These are the men and women that naturally are passionate about telling people about Jesus, if you sit next to one of them on a 10-hour flight, can be brutal, especially if you're not a Christian. Evangelists love airplanes because you can't even change seats. They're just stuck. Now, all of us should be evangelists. All of us should be evangelizing, but there are some people that are just gifted in this way, and it comes more naturally. And finally, the gift... Uh, one gift, two ministries, pastors and teachers. Pastor means shepherd. Shepherd. 
to, to look after the flock of sheep. Now, in our church, we have two pastors. We have myself and we have our associate pastor, May. But in practice, actually, we have more than two pastors. We actually have five pastors, if not more. Each of the life group leaders, each of the small group leaders that we have, they're pastors. Why? Because they're looking after their people. They're looking after their sheep. The ministry leaders who run the ministries, they're looking after their flock. They're looking after their sheep. They're also pastors too. This is done through the word of God. Teaching is a separate uh, spiritual gift, but for Paul, he puts them together. Here's the beauty of the gifts. They're given to us. They're given to us. The gifts are given to you. You understand, right? That's a gift. Okay, you, you know, people are like, I'm going to go buy myself a gift. No, you just made yourself a purchase, okay? A gift is someone, like, uh, you know, all the gifts that you guys didn't give me for my birthday, right? Like, I'm, just, I'm still waiting for them. I'm just saying, right? If I, if I give you money, that's a transaction. But these spiritual gifts are given to us, verse 12. Why? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Nowhere here does it say that God gives, uh, God gives people gifts for the sake of their own ego. Nowhere does it say that God blesses and gives people these gifts so that they can become awesome. These gifts are used to build up the church, build up everyone, and not even just for one season. Paul tells us it's until we all reach unity and become mature. This is why maturity must happen through community. Can I tell you, it's not good enough to have a community, and I'm not happy that if we ever got to a point where we had a community where we had five really mature people and we had a hundred people that were immature. That's not a healthy community. That's like, a, uh, you know, people just sort of being raised up. Real community means everyone moves together. That our concern and our love is for the, the spiritual growth of every single person, whether you've been here from the beginning or whether this is your first week. That's real community. And our concern using our gifts is to build everyone up. And here's the other thing. How do you know what gift you have if you don't have a community to exercise them in? Someone walks in and goes, you know what? I'm an amazing shepherd. Okay? Where are your sheep? <laughs> you know, I'm an amazing teacher. Who have you taught? You know, I, I, uh, hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's anyone here. But I've had people come up to me and go, you know what, God has gifted me with this gift. And I say, is that right? Who told you that? I told myself. You told yourself that you're amazing. Wow, you're so humble. Yeah, I'm pretty humble. You know, like, doesn't make sense. Community is where we learn what spiritual gifts that we have and it's the place where we exercise them. Not for your own sake, but for the sake of building everyone up. Finally, 
We've got to grow the community. Verse 14 to 16. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of people in the deceitful uh, scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The final thing that we need to understand is that maturity isn't just for the individual. Yes, individuals need to grow and mature, but as we grow and mature in the community, actually, the whole community also grows and matures. They said, we've been around uh, just under six years, and I can confidently say that after six years, as a community, we have grown. Uh, We are more stable. Because what Paul's saying is, what does a a growing and mature community look like? Stability. Can I tell you, when we first started the church, it was like chaos squared. People would rock up, and it's like, what time is the service again? Six o'clock. It's like, it's like seven, you know, like, you know, like who's on, who's doing prayer today? Service is happening and I get a mix like, hey, you, you have to do the prayer today. You know, like who's doing dinner today? Oh, I don't know. Let's just order pizza. You know, like we, it was all over the place. But as time went on and as people grew, you know, leaders were put into place and teachers were put into place and, and we've become more stable. See, what immaturity is this? You chop and change all the time. A wind blows, and then you change. The newest fad comes in, and then you change. New opportunity comes in, and you change. But maturity, it's like my kids, right? My kids will chop and change every hour of what they like, what they don't like, because they're immature. But as we grow in maturity, we know who we are. We're not, we're not influenced by the world around us. We become more stable. To know that we belong to Jesus will lead us to become like Jesus. And to become like Jesus is to grow in our love for God and His people and to grow in knowledge of God. Both things will lead to maturity. Now, even at this point, if you're like, you know what, I don't need the church to grow. I don't need the church to mature. I'm going to tell you, you're immature. There's no other way to say it. If you think that you can do this without your community or people around you, you're fooling yourself. You're putting so much um, emphasis on, on who you are. Uh, you're, you're about to hit a train wreck. Every single one of us needs community. And you know what? You might be like, you know what? I never said that. I never said that we don't need community, but you might have said things like, well, you know, do I really need to turn up to life group? You know, do I really need to serve in ministry? Do I really need a mentor? Or you think, uh, let, me, let me ask you a rhetorical question. When's the last time you went and asked someone how to grow spiritually? Because if you haven't asked someone else, who do you think who do you think speaking into your life about your spiritual growth? You. Just you. 
the more isolated you get, the more on the edge of the community you become, it gets harder and harder to grow and mature and you will end up frustrated and most likely you, you will end up leaving the church. We're called to community. We're called to equip the community and we're called to build the community. It's this importance of team. That's why I showed you that clip at the beginning. Not because I thought it was just an amazing commercial, which I do think it is. I think it's one of the best commercials that I've seen this year. You know, the commercial was about Dwayne Wade, an NBA basketball player who, who just retired. And it's not just about him. It's about the people, uh, not only the people that helped him, but the people that he helped. Part of his team, part of his community. I want to finish tonight by sharing with you some of the people in my team. Some of these people you will know, some of them you won't know. Uh, if you've been coming to church, uh, you, you will know some of these people already because I have introduced you to them. I am a big team player. Why? Because I don't trust myself. It's as simple as that. I know me. Now, some of you are very, uh, not very self-aware and you still think that, you know, you can do this by yourself. You're foolish. Okay? I know me. I look at myself and I'm like, mm, you need Jesus real bad. Right? I don't trust my own decision-making process. That's why I had four kids. I just don't trust it at all. Right? And so, so what do I do? The wisest thing that I can do is to put a good team around me. So let me introduce you to my team. Right? Some of, the, I said, some of you know, some of you don't. I want to introduce you. Firstly, uh, my wife, I think that's the best photo, right? And you got Ansley and Albert in the background. You know, like, they're like, yes, I've got in the photo. Okay, that's my man. I think that's Arun sitting there by himself, you know? Poor guy. Um, you know, my wife, God has blessed me with one of the, the, the sassiest women on the planet, right? Like, she, can I tell you, I, I haven't told this to many people, but you know when I, was, when I first fell in love with my wife? Right? Now, don't laugh. Well, she loved me first. Anyway, we won't go there. We won't go there. Um, the, the, the time that I was the most attracted to my wife, I didn't eat. I, she was not even on my radar. I'm going to be honest. And I upset her because I was being very rude and arrogant, as I am. And she said to me in the car, you know what? You're a jerk. And I was like, wow. That's hot. Because <laughs> no one spoke to me like that. Well, not females anyway. And she was brave enough to call it as it was. And to today, even today, she's so honest and God uses her to put me in my place. That's my wife. And then I have my family. So I've got my parents, and I've got my four kids. Um, obviously, my parents, are, you know, they're just investing into me. You know, they're, they're really awesome. You know, they're what parents should be. And I know not everyone has a mom and dad uh, like that, but I've been blessed to have uh, parents that are, you know, really big uh, cheerleaders for me in my life. And then I have my four children that still like me, that still think that I'm, I'm their hero, 
you know, like they wake up and like super superhero dads, you know, they still think that because they don't know yet, but you know, it's okay, I'll, I'll enjoy, you know, that period of time. But you know, they're honest as well, like dad, you know, I feel like you're getting a little fat these days and all that. Thanks, kids, you know. So I got my family and then uh, these guys, you probably know a lot of them. Uh, this is uh, my discipleship group from when I was first year university, when I was 17 years old. Um, Pastor Josh, who's wearing the elf shirt, um, he was my uh, young adult pastor. And the two other guys, Pastor Bernie, Pastor Jacob, you guys probably know them because they've been here. All of these guys have preached here before. Um, they're the closest brothers that I have that serve in ministry. I Honestly, every major decision that's made in this church, I talk to each of these guys first, and I ask for their counsel and their wisdom. When I'm in trouble, these are the guys to go to first, except when I need money, because none of them have money, because they're all pastors as well, right? I have other friends. I'll show you them. Okay, so then I have them. And then Pastor Joseph, this is Pastor James Kim, who is a friend of mine, but he's also a pastor. Uh, this is awesome because we're both in the journey together. So many times, so many times we, we get together and we talk about church, and he says to me, you know what, honestly, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I was like, bro, me too, you know, and we console each other, and we're like, you know, just keep going. And his uh, wife, Sumi, who's an old uh, friend of mine from high school, uh, you know, God, that, that, that kind of community. And then I have mentors. Now, uh, with mentors, these guys are new. Some of these guys, right, some of the old guys are like 19 years, 20 years, right? But these guys, uh, they're, they're new. So, so Pastor Dave Huang on the left, uh, senior pastor of Jubilee Church, Seoul in Korea. He came for our first camp. Uh, he, he, people are like, Steve, you are exactly like him. And I'm like, dude, if I can become like him, that'd be amazing. Because I think he is awesome. I'd love to be like him. He's so rough. He tackles girls in football. And then they started crying. And he was like, oh, come on. You know, like, I want to be like that, you know. And then Pastor Ray Chang, who's our church coach, he's only come on board in my life a year. He's only been a part of my life for one year. And uh, he's got so much influence in my life. He's, his advice has changed the course of our church. Uh, and then this is the... Dr. Reverend Andrew Bohr, who's the CEO, the, the head of uh, Churches of Christ New South Wales, the, the, the community that we're a part of. Uh, he's like one of the most busiest guys, and yet we spent some time uh, getting mentored and whatnot, and, and he's had a phenomenal influence on my life. Okay, so these are external mentors. I see these guys maybe once a year, twice a year, max. Okay, but this is part of my community. Who else do we have? These are my boys. Right, these are guys, some of these guys, uh, the, the, the second on the left, his daughter just got um, dedicated today, and I went to his church. He's, he, he's been my friend for 30 years, 30 years. We were friends from when we were five, right? Uh, a lot of these guys, we, we met in high school. Uh, in uni, we were one Bible study group together, and now we all go to different churches, uh, yet we get together, and, and, and we share our lives, and, and you know, uh, just pray for each other and, you know, these are the guys. If I don't have money, these are the guys I go to, okay? I'm not going to tell you which one. There's two of them. Very, very, they're doing well. Anyway, that's them. Who else? Then we've got my staff. You know, Pastor May came on board uh, last year and she has been such a huge influence on my life. 
I'm realizing that not everything that she says I should listen to. I'm just realizing that now. It's taken me a year to, you know, when she starts talking about how, you know, I need to buy water and, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I need to discern through some of those things and, you know, she, she's like, at our next staff meeting, can we go karaoke? And I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's edifying or encouraging. And so, you know, I'm trying to work that out. But, you know, she has had a huge impact on my life, on my ministry, on, on our church. Huge. She's part of my community. And then I've got our church. This is, I realized something, guys. We don't ever take church photos. <laughs> this is the, like, the, the most recent, like, big church photo uh, this was my birthday, I think, two years ago or three years ago, where we had the Chapel Cup. It was a mini golf competition. Um, thanks for coming for those guys, you know. Um, but, you know, you, you are a part of my community. You are part of my community. And uh, hopefully you guys are in each other's community as well. I just wanted to share that with you because I want to show you that your community, the community that, that, that Paul talks about, it doesn't necessarily have to be just this church, but it's anyone, it's anyone of the faith that is willing to invest into you, anyone that's willing to sharpen you, anyone that's willing to correct you, anyone that's willing to encourage you. They're your community. And it's through those people that God is going to use to build up the church, to sharpen you, to strengthen you, to mature you. Embrace it. Desire it. Don't be the fool that stands on top of the mountain and says, I don't need anyone in this world because you will fall. And the Bible says, how sad is someone who falls and they have no one that can help them up. God provides people around us to grow us and to mature us so that we don't just stay the same. God is concerned about your life so much. Not only did he save you through the blood of Jesus, his son, but he wants you to grow. He wants you to be the salt. He wants you to be the light in this world. He wants to use you for his kingdom. But you need to grow. You need to mature. How do we do that? Get involved in community. Join a life group. We have life groups throughout the week throughout, you know, different uh, areas, different nights. Join a life group. Start to get to know people. Join a ministry. Serve someone in our pre-service. Someone say, you know, there's a huge correlation with the, the closeness of relationship and the people that you serve together with. And that makes sense, right? Because you're doing the same thing. You're overlapping your lives. Invite people to speak into your life. Invite people to correct you and to guide you. And I pray that our church would be built until we all reach unity. And said, I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied with a few of us becoming mature. It's not about just a few of us. It's about everyone. And it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you've been going to church for 30 years. It doesn't matter if you're brand new to the faith. It's all about moving forward and growing. It's about maturity through community. And one day, we will attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And I pray that over all of us. Amen. Let's pray.